You're listening to Be You with Jackie Moore. Hey friends, it's Jackie Moore, and today I am talking about how I deal with perfectionism or my struggle with perfectionism or my tendency to be a perfectionist. Even in doing this, I feel like I'm showing how I can be a perfectionist because I want to say it just right. And so I might say it like three different ways to make sure that you fully understand what I'm saying. So don't stop listening if you don't think you struggle with perfectionism. Um, You might be surprised that you do in some ways, Um, but I kind of just, and if you don't, then you should still listen. You get through the whole thing and you're like, yep, nope, I'm not a perfectionist. That's fine. You should listen anyway so that you can encourage those wonderful, stressed out people in your life who are perfectionist. You can get a little bit of an insight into their mind to see what's going on. But I'm actually going to read like a short passage from a book that I got, gosh, it was probably like five years ago now, five and a half years ago or so. And it's called Grace for the Good Girl by Emily P. Freeman. And um, she is awesome. I follow her on Instagram. I've read this book. She has another book called Simply Tuesday. This is not an advertisement. She doesn't know me. I'm not getting paid anything to talk about her book. I just, um, this book, Grace for the Good Girl, was super, super impactful in me kind of figuring out that I really struggled with this desire to be perfect and really helped me understand too that like it doesn't have to be this way. Because you know, you just kind of, everyone knows their own normal. And like as a kid, especially, I'm sure you can think back to uh, maybe a time where you realize that, wow, not everyone else's parents do the exact same job that yours do. Or, wow, other people are allowed to watch movies that are rated a lot differently than the movies that I'm allowed to watch. Or, you know, like you can just think back to different things in your life where you kind of realized, huh, this is new. This is an interesting thought. And that's kind of where I was whenever I read Grace for the Good Girl. And so I'm going to start by reading kind of, it's actually in her prologue. And it's about how, what her book is about, that sort of thing. And um, so this is her, this is Emily Freeman talking about her idea of like the perfect, the perfect person. So she said, my idea of who I should be is at war with who I am. I want to be perfect in every situation. I just do. I want to know what to do. I want to know how to do it right. I want to do it all by my big self. And not only do I want to do everything perfectly, I want to look perfect while I do it. I want to act perfect and talk perfect and have perfect teeth. And I want to parent perfectly, to wife perfectly, and to have a clean house all the time. All right, so she keeps going and she says, My solution to the disconnect between my perfect imaginary self and my real life self is to force life to look the way I want, somehow to force this, anyhow to force this, 
And so I work hard and I labor and I do the right thing. I stay strong when I feel weak and I fake happy when I want to cry because my ideal image has everything to do with being put together and nothing to do with falling apart. Because I care so much what you think, my hiding has everything to do with you. I desperately want to manage your opinion of me. Nearly everything I do is to convince you that I am good. If I sense any hint or disbelief on your part that I am good, if it seems your opinion is other than what I wish it to be, it becomes my job to change your mind. If you wonder what gives you the authority to define me, I will say this. It is because you exist. I must have worth, and it is up to you to give it to me. And so reading that, I was just like, hit. Oh my gosh, I feel that in the depths of my soul, right? Like this is me talking now about what I just read. The first time that I read this, so I was reading this book when Brandon was still playing um, pro baseball. And so (laughs) I don't know if you know much about pro baseball, but the minors, they they're they're a thing. They are a thing. And Brandon played in the minors. Um, and so I was at the baseball field a lot. And Brandon was a pitcher. He was a relief pitcher. And so I never knew like when he was going to be pitching. And so I pretty much went to every game. And so that's my backstory for that's my justification. Um, that's me making sure that you have a good image of me, right? Even like as I'm doing this, I want to make sure that you don't think poorly of me as a wife. Um, but as I'm sitting at this minor league baseball game, I get this book and I just start reading because I've seen a lot of baseball at this point in the summer. And so I start reading and I read that part. I just read the prologue and I instantly am just overwhelmed with, oh my gosh. Yes, someone gets me. And then I immediately start crying in public at a baseball game, sitting by myself. And I could not, I was so, I mean, I was so embarrassed. And I was like, this is not supposed to be happening. Why am I crying? What are people going to think of me? You know, thankfully, I was wearing sunglasses. And so I'm just trying to like, you know, keep the tears in the sunglasses so no one can really see. And I just like, probably the calmest anyone has ever stood up to go to the bathroom and the slowest anyone has ever walked to the bathroom to look like nothing's wrong. I'm just on a leisurely walk to the bathroom, right? And as soon as I get in the stall, I rip my sunglasses off and I'm just like trying to salvage my mascara and just all of this stuff because, oh my goodness, the line, if you wonder what gives you the authority to define me, I will say it is because you exist. I must have worth and it is up to you to give it to me. Now, that's not supposed to be true. Right? That shouldn't be true about me. But at that point in my life, and even sometimes still, like a truer statement had never been spoken. That how I was functioning and sometimes honestly, when I stop remembering like who I am and who Jesus is, um, that's still how I function. I function like it is up to everyone around me to give me worth because I forget where I get my worth from. 
So the second thing I want to read from this book, um, this is the last, I'm not, this is not just going to be like, oh, you thought you were getting a podcast. Really, it's like audiobook for Grace for the Good Girl. It's not really what's happening, but I do recommend you reading it. Um, but on page 27, she kind of, she keeps explaining this is in her second um, chapter. And she says, I once heard a sermon that compared believers to commercials for God. Quote, and God doesn't need any bad commercials. End quote. I remember the preacher saying, it stuck with me. And from then on, I often made decisions based on whether or not I thought it would be good advertising for God. I saw myself from the outside and thought about what type of Christian people would think me to be. Fear of rejection by other Christian peers was a powerful motivator, especially in college. And so she goes on to talk about kind of the rest of her life and and how this has impacted her. But that part also, oh my goodness, resonated with me because we can, we can get so caught up in just doing, quotation marks, air quotes, doing the right thing, right? But when we do that, who are we doing it for? What's our motivating factor, right? And she says, you know, that, that she was afraid and she was worried about what other people would think about her, what type of Christian she would be and what type of person that other Christians thought she was. But for me, it's not just Christians that I care what they think, right? It's, it's everyone. I want everyone. I want people that are Christians. I want them to think that I'm a good Christian. If you're not a Christian, I don't want you to think I'm too weird, right? Because I don't want to be like a, a weird advertisement for God. I don't want to be like too awkward, right? But then I also want to be bold. I don't want, in trying to not be awkward, I don't want to not be bold because then Christians are going to think, wow, she doesn't really love Jesus. Like he's going to deny her for sure whenever she gets to heaven, right? And so there's just this like back and forth of like, man, I want to be perfect, but being perfect to each person looks so different right? Your idea of who perfect Jackie should be is going to be different than my husband's idea of who perfect Jackie should be. It'd probably have to do with a lot less chewies, honestly. But you know what? Like the Lord's showing me, I don't have to be perfect. I'm just kidding. Just kidding, babe. Um, But on a more serious note, you know, my parents' idea of who perfect Jackie is, is going to be different. Your kids, like your children's idea of who perfect fill in the blank would be is going to be different than the rest of the people around you. And so that is a lot of pressure. And a quote that I love um, by a theologian, his name is Lecrae. He says, if you live for their acceptance, then you'll die from their rejection. And I mean, again, truer words have never been spoken about my life. Like if I had some kind of screen on my forehead that was just like rolling with the thoughts that were going through my brain. I mean, it would just be this constant like, okay, what does she think of me? How Was she offended by that? No, okay. Oh, wait, maybe she was. Maybe Let me try again. What does he think of me? What does this person think of me? Am I living up to their expectations? I don't think I am. Oh, maybe I should just act dumb because I think they think that I am dumb. And so then like I can live up to their expectations in that way, even though it's not being true to myself. I mean, just this like constant stream of thoughts on days that I'm not even still, you know, walking with the Lord. 
because I'm not perfect. And that doesn't even go into the times when I actually legitimately screw up. Like when I like maybe on purpose sometimes do something that I know I shouldn't do. Now, by the Lord's grace, you know, this doesn't happen as often as it used to, but like there are still times when in the moment I may unfortunately lie and then I have to go back later and say, I'm sorry, or maybe I don't tell a lie, but I withhold some of the truth, which is, you know, still being not very kind and not very truthful. Um, Or maybe I compare or I judge or I just, I hurt people's feelings or I only think about myself and I don't think about other people. Like there are all kinds of things that I do, honestly, on a daily basis that remind me that I am not perfect. And this can make me feel a whole entire wide range of emotions, right? Depending on the day. Like when I, when I have that moment in the day where I kind of am really hit with, okay, I'm not perfect. I'm not measuring up. I can't figure this out. It's not going to be clean in time. The food's not going to be ready in time. I didn't stay under budget this time. Like sometimes that makes me really sad. Like I get really upset and down on myself um, and just think, man, I should have I should have been better. I'm no good. You know, those kinds of thoughts. Other times it kind of it morphs into frustrated. So I'm sad, but I'm also like frustrated and annoyed. Like, why do I keep doing this? Um, other times it's like I'm mad. I'm not even thinking necessarily about myself. Sometimes I am mad at myself for what I did, but then sometimes I'm just mad at the fact that I can't be perfect. Like, that's why I'm mad. Not even, like, I've worked through that, like, okay, I'm not perfect. I'm moving on. But good grief, why can't I be perfect? And so that leads me, typically, all of these kind of lead to this one thought of hopelessness, this feeling of, If I can't actually ever truly be perfect, if there is going to be opportunity for me to mess up and sin as long as I'm alive on this side of heaven, then what's the point? How am I supposed to be like Jesus if I can't be perfect? And so when I'm, you know, not in a good place in my mind, I'll even read verses that talk about being like Jesus and looking like him. And I get mad, like this same, this mad, this sad, this frustrated, this hopelessness of like, I just talked to God, like, why, why would you give us that standard? And I mean, for years, like I would have this battle in my head, but not really want an answer. You know, like it didn't matter what the Lord said. Like I just, I was asking, but it was for sure rhetorical. Like didn't matter what he said. I was just upset. I'm sure, you know, you can imagine yourself doing something like that or someone else when you're just so mad and you ask a question um, or maybe someone's mad and they ask a question and you start to answer and you realize, oh, hmm, they didn't actually want to answer. I'm making them more mad by answering. Great. So that's kind of where, you know, I was, I think, if like in those moments when I'm just kind of lashing out at God, which he can handle it, um, but I would just go to him and say, why did you give us the standard of Jesus if we're never going to be able to be perfect? And then recently, like it was literally just sometime in this past year, I, was, I remember driving, like I can remember the stop sign that I was at. Um, and I just really asked in a different way. 
this time. Same words, but I could just tell, like I was just so exhausted and tired and just felt like I'm at the end here, Lord. Like I don't, I'm not even mad. I mean, I am, I am frustrated, but I'm not, like I just want to know. I really want to understand because I know that you're a good God and you're not going to, I don't believe in a God that sets us up for failure. Right, I don't believe in a God that enjoys seeing us upset or sad. And so probably for the first time, maybe ever, I asked God, how am I supposed to be like Jesus if I will never be perfect? And you know what God said? He said, be humble. That is how I'm supposed to be like Jesus. So for so long, in my mind, whenever I hear be like me, be righteous, be like Jesus. Like there are a lot of things that go into that. And I've talked about on my podcast, a lot of different aspects of being like Jesus, you know, being kind, being obedient, being patient, being loving, and yes to all of those things. But when it comes to this just like aspect of, but Jesus was perfect. And so how am I supposed to be like him in that? I don't think we can. I mean, I don't, I think that we can have victory over sin in our lives. And I don't think that our imperfection is an excuse for us to keep on sinning and to take advantage of grace, like Paul talks about. But I think that as long as we're on this earth, like there's going to be that opportunity for us to sin, unfortunately. And so being like Jesus, I think means being humble. Jesus literally and figuratively, in like the truest meaning of those words, leads us to the cross in his humility. Like he literally, by being humble, came to earth and literally walked in humility, one step in front of the other, carrying a cross until he couldn't carry it anymore. And they had to get someone else to carry the cross for him. But he keeps walking. He keeps moving forward in humility all the way to the cross. And he figuratively, he draws us to the cross through that humility daily. Like that's how we approach the cross with humility. Like that's the only way. When we approach the cross, you know, shaking our fist, we are... We are like the thief. If you've read the the crucifixion story or have ever heard it, we're like the feet, the thief that is telling him, is mocking him and is saying, why can't you get us down and, and all of this? We are not like the other thief on the other side who is acknowledging Jesus and is being humble and is recognizing their own sin. And so... This was so impactful for me because it was just this relief of like, okay, I, I can be humble. I can do that. Asterisk. I don't often do it very well, but I can do it, right? It's a possibility for me to be that. Like that's an achievable, attainable goal. Like, I don't have to get frustrated at the Lord anymore because I don't think that Jesus is asking me to be perfect in every single way and he's going to be disappointed in me and he's going to feel hopeless every time I mess up. I just I just don't believe that. But I do believe that Jesus is asking me to be humble 
when I mess up and asking me to be humble whenever I sin. Um, Philippians, I think I've read this before, but in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So there's obviously so much that you could unpack there, even upon just this reading it. I noticed, you know how it says, he humbled himself by becoming obedient. And so really don't have time to unpack that necessarily, but even like humbling yourself is more than, when it says to be obedient, I think humbling yourself is more than just saying, um, man, God, I really, really screwed up. I'm so, so sorry. Right? That's not full repentance, I don't feel like. Like it is. Like we do have to have that aspect of where we just recognize, like, man, we really messed up. But to be obedient is to repent, right? And to turn away from those things. But humility precedes that. And so this is how I'm starting to manage my perfectionism. Right, I'm. I'm not. I don't even know that I would say that I'm a recovering perfectionist yet. Just to be honest with you, I think I'm still. Um, I'm not quite there yet. I don't know if I ever will be. We'll see. But um, but these are kind of the three. I kind of you know we we like to do things in threes, and so these are kind of the three things that I try to do to remind myself um, that it's okay. That I don't have to be perfect. And the first thing is to just remind myself that I live for Jesus's acceptance and that he won't reject me. And this takes a degree of self-awareness, of recognizing, of asking the Holy Spirit to show you when you're seeking the approval of other people. Because we don't often in the moment, like it's not our nature to in the moment as we're having a conversation with the person across the table, realize, oh, wow, what I'm saying and what I'm doing right now is totally seeking their approval and not Jesus's, right? That's not like that thought doesn't just naturally come to us. Like we have to ask the Holy Spirit to show us that. Um, And then the second thing that I try to remind myself is to just, is to give myself grace because I'm not Jesus and that's okay. And I ask the Lord um, often to, to help me not try to take advantage of grace. But I really think that as if you're like me and you struggle with perfection, or maybe you're not, but you know someone who does, just remind them of that. Like, it's okay. You're not perfect. My husband's so good at um, doing this for me whenever he, he hears me start you know, saying, well, I should have done this. And I do think it's healthy to think through like, what can we do better moving forward? But when we just like eat ourselves up in that circle of like, I should have done this, I should have done this, I should have done this. And we like can't move past it. We just got to remember that there's grace enough for us and it's okay. And the third thing um, that I try to do is just what I talked about towards the end is to be humble. Um, or I'm, again, I'm not always the best 
at this. I'm praying that the Lord will work on this in my heart and mind, but I'm for sure beginning to see how invaluable humility is and how invaluable repentance is. Like you cannot do this Christian life well without humility and repentance. You can put on a good front, but you're going to be totally jacked up on the inside. You're going to be numb. You're going to be stressed. It's going to feel like chaos. You're never going to feel like you're measuring up. Like if you're trying to live like Christ and for Christ without being humble on a daily basis and repenting probably on a daily basis, like your life is going to be kind of tough a lot of days and your mind is going to be a kind of jacked up place. And I'm not saying that as someone looking over you and pointing a finger at you. I'm saying that as I live this, like sometimes still some days I live these days where I try to do it myself. And I know that I'm supposed to do these things. I know I'm supposed to be a good Christian, but I forget to be humble and I forget to invite Jesus in and remind myself that I can't do this, but he can. And I forget to repent from trying to do it myself. But when I do remember this, it's so sweet. And the Lord is so good to keep his promises. And so my encouragement to you or your friend that struggles with perfectionism is when you hear someone say to be like Jesus, don't hear that you have to be perfect and you can never mess up, right? Here, being like Jesus as being humble and knowing that you can walk in freedom because he is never going to reject you. Jesus will always accept you with open arms, with that element of humility and repentance. So I hope this encourages you to be less like a crazy, stressed out perfectionist like I am sometimes and more like Jesus so you can be truly who you were created to be. 